This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. The Atlanta Falcons have interviewed 14 people for their head coaching job. 14, 14 people. Wow. Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Meanwhile, Jim Harbaugh is officially the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. We will get to that in just a moment. All the news of the day, well, it's led with the fact that the Panthers have their head coach, and that is Dave Canales. Uh, he was hired just a little while ago. He is, of course, the Tampa Bay offensive coordinator. Uh, spent the last two years in Seattle two years ago with Geno Smith, had a big year, and then with Tampa this year with Baker Mayfield had a big year, so they're obviously looking for him to have a major impact on Bryce Young. Vic Fangio, leaving the Dolphins, as we know, left yesterday going to philly he will be the eagles new defensive coordinator and as we mentioned uh, harbaugh hired by the chargers last night and we are both in full agreement that hiring jim harbaugh is a major step in the right direction for the los angeles chargers because they needed somebody that was going to set the tone right away and as we have said many times be a serious person and the chargers have not been a serious organization for quite some time so this is a great move from that standpoint but the bigger issue at least for the moment becomes just how quickly can he have the impact that you want him to have right away well he's going to have significant impact immediately immediately that entire building is going to be shaken from top to bottom you're going to be running a professional operation. People are going to be on time, if not early. People are going to be disciplined. People are going to be paying attention to details. People are going to attack each day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Isn't that his famous quote? <laughs> yes, like, you is. are going to have a very aggressive, very unified organization, which is something the Chargers may not have had in quite some time. The Chargers are a team that's been sloppy. The Chargers are a team that's been disorganized. The Chargers are a team that's found ways to make mistakes in big spots. Those days are over. Whether or not this is a great team in year one, that'll be determined later. They're going to be an organized team in year one. They're going to be an aggressive team in year one. They're going to be a buttoned-up team in year one. They will be better for it. If we talk expectations in terms of what level of playoffs, if playoffs are on the table, what would you say there? For me, the ceiling is to make the playoffs. Ceiling is make it. So if they don't make it, that doesn't mean it's a failure then. No, it doesn't. Okay. I Listen, I think where they are right now on a lot of different fronts makes it very difficult for him to walk in the door and immediately make this a team that's, you know, playing this weekend next year. It's not impossible. It never is. I mean, for Pete's sake, nobody would have ever expected the Texans to be where they were this year. But, you know, they had an incredible run. The problem for me is everything that has to be fixed with the organization. It's not just about tone and tenor, and this is the guy that right away changes all of that. We know that. They are not a coach away from being a perennial playoff team. They couldn't stop the pass this year to save their lives, and that's with two terrific pass rushers on the team with Khalil Mack and, and Joey Bosa. They've got massive salary cap issues going into this offseason. Right now, they have four players who are scheduled to count $30 million or more against the cap next year, and none of them are named Justin Herbert. That's a major problem. You have to be able to try to fix that right away. You've got receivers who are older, guys like 
you know, Allen, guys like, you know, uh, with the guy who got hurt Mike this Williams year. is Mike Williams thank you they brought in Quentin Johnston as a high draft pick to be the guy to take over he didn't show that in year one he's dropping passes in big situations all over the place so for me if Harbaugh comes in deals with all these cap nightmares whoever the GM's going to be and they're able to navigate through that and has an incredibly positive impact on Justin Herbert which I expect him to then uh to make the playoffs, I think, would be a great achievement for them. I'd say playoffs expectation, and if you want to put a wild card win in there, I'm with that as well. I think so you expect them to make the playoffs. I'd say that should be the expectation. Yes, the expectation is make the playoffs. Do you know why? Because that's what Jim Harbaugh is. He's a guy with high expectations. Mm-hmm. That's what you get when you hire Jim Harbaugh. Now, when you hired him at San Diego, you were unsure, right? First head coaching job. Then when you hired him at Stanford, it's like, all right, this guy's done some good things at San Diego. We're Stanford. You know, maybe he'll turn us around. Oh, boy, did he exceed those expectations. Then the Niners give him a shot. They probably expected him to come in and win games. I don't know if they expected him to get him to a Super Bowl, but he did. He stabilized the organization. And then when Michigan hired him, clearly the expectation was this guy can restore us to prominence, get us to the playoff, possibly win a national championship, and he did all that. I think if you're the Chargers, you hire him, you pay him big money because you expect to go to the playoffs in year one. Does that mean it's a failure if they don't get there? Not necessarily. But I'm going to tell you something. You can point out all the salary cap issues, personnel issues, and statistical issues all you want. I'm going to give you three statistical things right now. Number one, a record of three 13 and 1. Number 2, the team with that record ranking 27th in scoring defense and number 3, the team with that record ranking 31st in scoring offense. That is the resume of the Houston Texans last year. Mm. New quarterback CJ Stroud, rookie. New coach D'Amico Ryan's, rookie. Gets into the playoffs, wins a playoff game, goes to Baltimore and loses. No shame in that. It can be done. That roster was inferior to this Chargers roster. And while there are cap issues, sure, there are people that can come in and that can work on those sort of things. It is not a perfect roster. It is not a perfect situation. But you got the coach. You got the quarterback. You hired Jim Harbaugh because you want expectations. Think about when they brought Brandon Staley back last year. There were no expectations. The only expectation was that he would be fired, which is what happened. The expectation with Harbaugh is the playoffs. Yep. We all knew. Pre-fired. That was it with with Brandon Staley. We didn't expect anything. Now, this is probably an unfair question because it's not going to be the same team next year. But you detailed earlier just how many of those uh, one touchdown or less games that they lost this season. When you go through and you realize that they turned out to be a 5-12 and 12 team this year, how many more games if Jim Harbaugh had been the coach would they have won? Maybe that's completely unfair to ask, because when we talk about the impact that a coach can have in terms of wins and losses, usually the answer is somewhere around one or two, but I feel like this is an extreme case where it might have had, like, could they have been a playoff team if Harbaugh had been the coach this year? I mean, here's the thing with the one-loss record and why so many guys in analytics like to use it. Over a large enough sample, let's call it 500 NFL games, over a large enough sample, you should probably be right around 500 in one-score games. You should be 250 wins, 250 losses. Because you know what? Sometimes you're going to go down the field and kick the game-winning field goal. Sometimes the other team's going to do that. Sometimes you're going to get the big goal line stop at the end of the game. Sometimes the opponent's going to do it. Sometimes you're going to miss the game-winning field goal. Sometimes the opponent's going to do it. Over a large enough sample in one-score games, you should be right around 500. So anytime in a small sample, say, for example, one season, 
you see a dramatic outlier. 8-0 and in one-score games. 1-6 and in one-score games. There is going to be some natural regression built in for the future. Now, whether or not that happens in the next season remains to be seen. I got burned betting the Seattle Seahawks, betting against the Seahawks, for a year right around, I'm going to say 2021 maybe, 2020, because they were big-time successors in the one-score category. And they strung it together for like three years. The regression didn't happen, but when it did, they completely fell apart. It was like Russ's last yeah. year. The one They were losing every one-score game. It will eventually regress to the mean either positively or negatively. And with the Chargers in one-score games over the last three seasons, they have been miserable. So whether it's hardball or not, at some point, mathematics alone and the law of averages are going to kick in, and they're going to catch more breaks down the stretch. But you throw a great coach in there like hardball, and that's going to turn around a lot quicker. All right, just to your point, to help make your point for you too, I mean, when we talk about the analytics guys, what do they always point to right away? Point differential, Yeah. right? The Chargers this year went 5-12, and 12, and their point differential was a minus 52. Okay. Just to give you an idea, without getting too far in the weeds, Commanders 4 and 13, minus 189. <laughs> the Giants 6 and 11, minus 140. The Patriots minus 130. The Jets minus 87 at 7 to 10. So the point is simply this. This coach could have had that much bigger of an impact this past season, but now we have to try to figure out Who's still going to be here and who's not next year? Because with all those cap problems, I, I do think you're going to have a bumpy road in year one as opposed to, you know, what he had in San Francisco. It's kind of similar to what he had at Stanford. You've got to go through some bumps in the yeah. first year or two before you really get the thing rolling. I think at the very least, though, and while that's completely accurate, I think you'll feel some pride if you're a Charger fan knowing that this team late in games is at least organized. They haven't been yeah. organized in those yep. spots in quite some time. They always look in over their head in these tight situations. Harbaugh's going to have that got that locked down. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Bundle home and auto and save. Visit Progressive.com. Well, there is no better guest in the land than the great Paul Feinbaum, and he is going to join us in moments to explain what Harbaugh's departure means for Michigan and frankly, college football in general. That's next on ESPN Radio, including on TuneIn. Find the top products and quantities you need when you need them. Lowe's Knows Pros. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Jim Harbaugh will become the new coach of the L.A. Chargers. He's leaving Ann Arbor, Michigan, finally. He is going to the NFL. He is getting a deal done with the Chargers. We all knew that a change needed to be made because the Los Angeles Chargers weren't what they're supposed to be. The fact of the matter is the Chargers give him the ability to compete for a Super Bowl. One omission from his resume, and that is a Super Bowl championship. I think probably the one negative development would be that Paul Feinbaum won't be talking about Jim Harbaugh as much, and I know he's broken up over that. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. (laughs) And on the ESPN app, Mr. Feinbaum, he joins us. Now, Paul, I want to start with this. We have been playing a game today based off of Jim Harbaugh quotes, and I put into chat GPT, what would Jim Harbaugh say? What are some Jim Harbaugh sayings? And I want you to tell me if you can tell the difference between a quote, whether it's the real Jim Harbaugh or artificial intelligence Jim Harbaugh. Okay? I'm ready. All right. Uh, first one. Sometimes I think referees are just playing hide-and-seek with their flags. We'll find them and make a game out of it. That sounds like AI. Number 10. <laughs> that is correct. It was AI. <laughs> Number ten. I'll tell you why it was AI. Why? Because, uh, it's it's. There's too much humor there for Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Hey, by by the way, I I, I just uh, I wanted to announce this on national uh, national show, um, and this is the only one I could find. But I took a job this morning with the LA Times covering the Chargers, so uh, I'm done with ESPN. I'm ready to roll. <laughs> He's coming in full of material today, ladies I'll and gentlemen. I'll tell you what, on a couple of fronts right there, too, by the way. <laughs> All right, Paul, I'll give you one more here. You've got to watch Blue Bloods once a week. There's a message in every show. That, that does sound a little bit like Jim Harbaugh because it's a non sequitur. That is Jim Harbaugh. Jeez. Well done. Well Paul, done. you know him. You know this guy inside and out. He, how about this? Snacks are the unsung hero of victory. Maybe we should have a snack playbook. The pretzel option. The popcorn <laughs> pass. That that, uh, that that I think that's a that's a combined work between Harbaugh and uh, and AI. <laughs> Strictly AI, Paul. Strictly AI. Well, I got half of it right. You did great, Paul. You did fantastic. Uh, Paul, let's start here. Who is the villain now in college football? Well, for now, it's Ryan Day. I mean, come oh, on. Boy. I, just, I, I always stay with the same league. And it, it, it's a double-edged answer. Uh, you know, he's lost three times to uh, Michigan. His program just lost to Missouri. I'm not laughing at Missouri, even though it sounds like I am. Um, and he just had one of the greatest hauls in the portal that, that anybody's ever had. I mean, he got a quarterback from Kansas State who's, who's very good. He's got, he had a five-star. He got another five-star, Julian Sayan, who, who enrolled at Alabama in December and is already gone. Uh, he picked up Alabama's best defensive player, Caleb Downs. 
I don't know if there if there's a run on banks in Columbus is because all the money has gone to these players. I've never. <laughs> I mean, this is amazing. Uh, very likely going to be the number one preseason team in the country. And if Ryan Day loses to Michigan for the fourth time in a row, I don't care what his record is. I suggest they get rid of him. What What do you think? So, so drilling down on that a bit, obviously losing to Michigan without Harbaugh probably is the final nail in the coffin. What What has to be achieved to keep the gig? Beating Michigan, getting to the playoff. I mean, dare I say, it, 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 now that it's 12 teams, what would he have to do in the playoff? Is there a way he makes the playoff and they still keep him? Yeah, listen, the new the, the new normal is not for for schools like Ohio State is not getting to the playoffs. I mean, they've gotten to the 14 playoff a couple of times, as, as you guys know, made it to the championship game during COVID um, and lost Alabama. But I mean, they have to they have to go far. Uh, I mean, th- this is uh, I mean, the amount of money that that was put into this, and, and you know, I'm not going to rumor monger here unless you want me to. Um, and <laughs> it is, it Very is, comfortable it with is irresponsible truly, journalism, Paul. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I would never do that. This is truly unless it involves the Big Ten. Uh, this is truly stunning. Uh, what has happened, uh, he's picked up players that are, that are so good and so high quality. And, and by the way, he already had one of the three best rosters in college football. So uh, they, they are about as loaded as, as any team I've, I've seen uh, outside of maybe Alabama and Georgia in recent years. And, and, and they, they should win it all. Uh, and I just think it's a matter of how the season goes. But Michigan is really the game. You, can, you cannot survive in that state losing four straight times to Michigan. It's Paul Feinbaum, of course, of the Paul Feinbaum Show with us. Chris and Joe, Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. Uh, okay, so if Day is the villain of college football, does college football have a face to it right now that Nick Saban and Harbaugh are gone? Yeah, I mean, I mean, three of the of the four finalists, uh, final four teams have had coaching changes. Two, 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 two left Saban and Harbaugh. Don't forget. I know it's easy to forget sometimes that. Washington played for the national championship, but of course its coach is now at Alabama. So, uh, I mean, Kirby Smart is still uh, one of the faces of the game. Uh, he, but, but quite frankly, there, there aren't that many right now. I mean, Harbaugh and, and Saban were the two biggest names in the game, really, uh, over the last couple of years. So that, that is a tremendous loss. But uh, the 12-team playoff on one level and the fact that the SEC has added two Blue Bloods and the Big Ten has, has grabbed really four good programs from the Pac-12. You've got Oregon and Washington, UCLA, and I guess I guess we consider USC uh, a good program. But remember, remember not that long ago when Lincoln Riley was the face of college football. Yeah, that fell apart pretty quickly, oh, yeah. given everything that transpired yeah. last year. Um, you mentioned Alabama. Kalen DeBoer has been on the job for you know a little over a week now. What's the buzz out of Alabama? How's everyone feeling about this? You got guys transferring out, guys transferring in. What's the state of the program? Uh, it, it's a little bit unknown at the moment. Uh, I, I, t- I talked to DeBoer last Friday on what was one of the worst days I've ever seen at Alabama, having lost uh, Caleb down uh, to o- Ohio State. And then the news came that, that the, the, the stud quarterback, and by the way, I, I know everybody doesn't want to get too excited over a five-star quarterback, but, but Julian's saying – uh, they worked very hard to get him. Uh, he was compared in many respects to Bryce Young. Now, that was the Bryce Young at Alabama, not the Bryce Young at Carolina. And they, they really felt like he was the future of the program, one of the biggest recruits since Arch Manning chose a couple of years ago. So, I mean, that was a big loss. But I, I think it's, it's – there's no way I can tell you right now where Alabama – Alabama would not be a top-four team on my card. But 
they're, they're, they they will they will. I still don't know who who's going to remain there. Uh, they may lose another player or two. They may get some in the spring portal, but the spring portal is not really a, where you get vintage players. Paul, uh, I'll give you one or two more before we let you go. Life is like a fourth and long situation. Punt, never heard of her. We're going for it. <laughs> now, now I'm shell-shocked because I, I missed half of a question. So I'm going to go with Harbaugh there. Nice. That is correct. Paul that is hot. correct. Uh, Paul. Uh, uh, that's, by the way, that is the last one I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Hey, I, I'm, I'm still upset with you guys for making fun of me three weeks ago for saying that uh, I, I'm all good with Harbaugh and Michigan. Well, but here's the thing. I, I heard a couple of I heard like in the last few days that you were on another podcast and you said you were sleep deprived. And I now disavow any knowledge of anything positive. Yeah, I said I mean, I, and I don't I don't want to give you retreads from some local podcast in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> but uh, I did say that. And that is now my new story that Harbaugh is gone. That I, I didn't mean anything I said uh, right. that morning. And, and it's it's true. I, I had flown all night. To, I mean. Who doesn't want to – I mean, sometimes you'll fly all night to, to see your true love. I flew all night to see Greeny at 8 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I do appreciate the fact that, like, like a stand-up comedian, you will change your material based on the audience. Oh, I don't, I, listen, I, I am long past the, the point of caring, you know, whether some deranged fan base in Michigan likes me or not. <laughs> El Paul, me too. Oh, there we <laughs> me go. Too. <laughs> Thanks again, Paul. Talk soon. Always a pleasure, guys. See you. The great Paul Feinbaum on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM. The weather is heating up for Joe. Maybe not in the Northeast, but he's ready to have a pool party. <laughs> That's after I have this from our friends over at Indeed. Now, the new year is the perfect time to gear up and connect to quality candidates. There's no better way to do that than through Indeed, the hiring platform that makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all in the same place. Their interview tool helps you schedule and conduct video interviews right from your employer dashboard. Next to hassle, start hiring. Indeed.com slash credit. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. on your speedo. Chris Carlin in the his house. Put on those floaties and grab a margarita. It's a Carlin versus Joe pool party. I tell you, I can't even remember the last time I did a cannonball, but it was a force to be reckoned with. 
it was a force. I would imagine quite a bit of water was displaced. Yes. Yes. All right. The, the science folks would be interested. Let's get into it. <laughs> pool party time. Here's how it works. We lay out several pools of which Carlin makes his selection based on the topic at hand. So pool party number one, the question is as follows. The weakest move, weakest move by an NBA player this week. Number one, Giannis saying he was, quote, surprised by the Adrian Griffin firing. Number two, Luka Doncic gets a fan tossed for heckling him after the fan said, quote, Luka, you're tired. Get your ass on the treadmill. Got a fan tossed for saying that. Number wow. three, Kevin Durant, while discussing if he should be in the GOAT conversation with the Arizona Republic, quote, because I went to the Warriors, why shouldn't I be in that? That's the question you should ask. Why not? What haven't I done? So which of those three is the weakest move by an NBA player this week? Throw them all out, honestly. They're all terrible. Uh, if I had to rank them... I, I can't. Like, Giannis, to me, saying he was surprised at Adrian... Let's go with Giannis. I'll talk myself into it, because Giannis saying that he was surprised by Adrian Griffin getting fired is insulting to us. Of course, you knew, and you tried to get it done yourself. That's why he's not here. If you wanted him to be here, he would still be here. I, I'd say Luca. This whole That's thing, pretty bad. Now, now, look, there are, there are fans that cross the line with the things they say to players. And yeah. as a result, there have to be repercussions, right? Because you do want to make this, to an extent, a, a family-friendly environment. You want kids coming to these games. Like, that was the big move by WWE years ago when they took blood out of the equation. You got to win the mom to win the household. The mom's in charge of the household. And yeah. If the mom sees all this blood, she's not going to let her kids watch it. So you got to become more family friendly. So some of the stuff that these guys say, you got to throw them out. But the guy heckling Luca, telling him get on the treadmill because he's tired, Come like on. that's been a knock of Luca's for a while that he's out of shape. Like you got to deal with that, man. That's part of how it works. Let's not get so soft that people are getting run for comments like that. Come yeah, on. Yeah, that's garbage. That's garbage. By the way, I want to get this right. Evan, uh, Kevin Durant also had another run in because of a ranking of Kevin's. Is that accurate? Yeah, somebody on Twitter ranked their most famous Kevin's of all time. They had Kevin Bacon, Kevin McAllister, Kevin Federline, and Kevin Nash. And KD chimed in and said, no disrespect, but Federline over me is nasty. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he was joking. That's all I can hope. He has to be, because number one, Kevin Costner would be on this list over I, a few of these guys. And Kevin Nash from WWE, WCW, like, yeah, wrestling fans are well aware, but he went by Diesel when he was in WWE, so I don't know if many people are going to know him over Kevin Durant. Kevin McAllister is a fictional character. Yeah. But everyone I, knows listen, him. Everyone and, knows Kevin McAllister. And besides, I, I preferred the fake Diesel anyway. Next. <laughs> All right, pool party number two. Who is the best tight end playing this weekend? A phenomenal question that the boys in the back dug up. Number one, George Kittle of the 49ers. Number two, Sam Laporta of the Lions. Number three, Mark Andrews of the Ravens, if he plays. But again, it looks like he's trending towards playing. Number four, Travis Kelsey of the Chiefs. I think Kittle's the most complete of the group. Really? Kelsey, Over Kelsey? Yeah, and the only reason is that like Kittle's an outstanding blocker yes. in every way. And he's such a big part of their running game. Uh, and look, if we're being truthful, Kelsey did fall off a little bit in the middle of the season. He's been better lately. He's still obviously a first ballot Hall of Famer. But Kittle right now, I think the best one. 
It's hard to say Andrews because even if he plays, he's not 100%. Laporta as a rookie has been huge in this offense, but again, he's a rookie. It's tough to tip it over for him. Here's the thing I love about Kittle, and this is the hallmark of all great tight ends, and this is where I take him over Kelsey because Kelsey has so many wide receiver vibes to him, and he's so damn good that you're used to seeing this. When a great tight end makes a play over the middle, it's usually like third and 11 and the whole crowd goes nuts. Like tight ends have a way of getting the crowd to go insane. Remember some of those Mark Bavaro plays back in the day where he would just be dragging defenders down the field? That's what the position's all about. It makes it seem like I'm slandering Kelsey. I don't mean to. He's just so much more wide receiver to me. Kittle's that guy for San Francisco. All right, pool party number three. Head coach, you're backing this weekend. John Harbaugh. Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, Dan Campbell. Well, Andy Reid is certainly the best of that group. Um, It's a pretty good group, but I I don't know how I could pick anybody else with the level of success that he has had over an incredible career. I got to go Andy Reid. Andy Reid in that one? He's been fantastic. Going up against John Harbaugh is always fun because Harbaugh was on Reed's staff in Philadelphia. Yeah. He was his special teams coach. So I always yep. like seeing those matchups. Those two doing it at a high level for a very long time. Campbell's gotten so much out of that Lions roster. I mean, Shanahan would be the guy I'd probably rank fourth almost just because you know he tightens up in some of these key spots. That's the thing with Candle. Campbell. He's not tightening up. He's just going to go. Go, yep. go, 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 go. All gas, Run no break. All yep. right. Next pool party. The first year head coach who will be in the final four. This is a college football question. A first-year college football head coach who will find his way to the final four. Sharon Moore with Michigan if he's hired. Jed Fish, Washington. Kalen DeBoer, Alabama. Mike Elko, Texas A&M. This answer might surprise you a little bit. I'm going Jed Fish. He's a good coach. And uh, is it what was it, Will Rogers, uh, who transferred there? Uh, the quarterback who was going to transfer out and then decided to stay at Washington the last couple of days. That's a big factor as well. I think Jed Fish is an excellent, excellent coach. Uh, Not that DeBoer isn't, but I'm very curious as to what all those departures at Alabama are going to mean for them. Even though there were players that hadn't played the biggest role yet, but they were on their way to doing that. Fish did a remarkable job at Arizona. A program football-wise that has just been in the dumpster for a long time. He did a remarkable job. All right, next pool party. Upstart in the Western Conference. It's a little... We need to be a little bit more specific there. The upstart in the Western Conference likely to make a deep run, in your opinion. Number one, Oklahoma City. Number two, Sacramento. Number three, New Orleans. Zion had a great alley-oop dunk the other night. Number four, Minnesota. That alley-oop dunk was tremendous. From the, He virtually did it from no angle, whatever, uh, whatsoever, as he was floating toward out of bounds. Uh, listen, it's easy for me to sit here and say this because they're the first place in the West. I'll go with Oklahoma City. I have been an SGA fan for a very long time. Uh, I absolutely love watching him play. And, you know, I don't know that people have paid them as much attention to it because he obviously missed all of last year. Chet Holmgren's really good. Yeah. Oh, my God. Chet Holmgren's really good. And he's not even the second best scorer on that team with Jalen Williams. Holmgren has had an outstanding year. I really like watching him play. He's got nearly three blocks a game. Sam Presti is a beast. He's an absolute beast of an executive. Like, he has twice turned this into a ridiculous roster. Went through a complete down period, stacked draft picks, and boom, look at this thing. Yeah. Just flies under the radar in the NBA because it's Oklahoma City. Exactly. All right, next, pool party. 
the NBA coach most likely to win his second NBA title this year. So these are all one-time winners. Who's most likely to win his second? Larry O'Brien. Ty Lue, LA Clippers. Nick Nurse, Philadelphia 76ers. Doc Rivers, Milwaukee Bucks. Frank Vogel, Phoenix Suns. Oh, God. I'm probably going Nick Nurse. I can't believe I'm saying that. Nick Nurse in Philly? Yeah. How about it? I can't believe I'm saying that, but, you know, the Lakers, if you're going to add some more to it, if you're going to get Bruce Brown and add him to that mix, okay. Right now, though, I think the Sixers are the best of that group. And listen, with Doc, he'll be out in the second round. It's what you do. That Clippers team is very very intriguing. They are yeah. red hot right now, but it's one of those, I kind of want to see what the finishing kick looks like, and then I want to see if they're still all getting along come playoff time, but if they are, they are extremely dangerous. I said Lakers there. I, 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 was, uh, I got it confused in my head for a second. Clippers. Um, yeah, because right. Bruce Brown is rumored to the Lakers, but uh, yeah, listen, Clippers have done an amazing job this year. I'm going Nick Nurse. I'm definitely going Nick Nurse. Okay. All right. Joseph? The one quarterback with a ton at stake this weekend that nobody is talking about. It's next. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. The battle for the NFC is the Lions visit the Niners. The Bay Area and the faithful in general, we want this game bad. To play at home in the NFC Championship, it's going to be sweet. Here's St. Brown, head of steam, touchdown Detroit. Wow. There's going to be things that are going to happen in this game. It's going to look like it's out of control, and it's not going to go well for us. And as long as we just play the next play, it'll turn. That's what we've done all year. Uh, do you think he ever, like, slams his head into something pregame during the speech, like tries to split a, a, a giant rock with his head just it, to fire them up? It feels like that, but no. I think he's one level above that where he realizes from a leadership perspective that's a fridge too far. Yeah. A fridge because a that's fridge. from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Hey, Fatty, I got a movie for you. A fridge too far. <laughs> Carlin versus Joe on ESPN radio on the ESPN app. But the one guy, Joe, listen, he's getting some attention, but there, there's a lot here for Jared Goff. I mean, it's been a terrific story for him to reclaim his career as it is, but he is a quarterback that got a team to a Super Bowl uh, with the Rams. Of course, they only scored three points in that Super Bowl and he wasn't very good. And he was basically left out to dry by the Rams when they traded him away and gave an extra pick to get the Lions to take him. And now here he is. And as we saw uh, Dan Campbell say to him in the locker room a couple of weeks ago, you're good enough for us. And he's been outstanding. So he was asked this week uh, by reporters about not just himself, but about the weapons that they have on offense. You guys had a lot of, got a lot of really good players, obviously. But maybe oh, thank you. Okay. I said thank you. You are. Maybe that viewed though as the superstars, like maybe the 49ers have. Or All right, never mind. Okay. 
Thank you. Uh, maybe not as many as the 49ers have. Never mind. We're good. <laughs> We're good. I retract. I retract yeah. my gratitude. But listen, for Goff, this speaks to me as a massive game in his career because punchline's not the right word, Joe, but afterthought maybe is the right word when you would describe the public perception of Jared Goff over the last few years. It's the ultimate opportunity for him this weekend. The ultimate opportunity. NFC Championship game on the road. Number one seed San Francisco 49ers, who for the a while now have just been viewed as like the heir apparent to the Eagles in the NFC. Eagles won the title for the conference last year. It's been weeks we've been saying it's the Niners. Even with that shellacking they suffered at the hands of the Ravens at home, we went ahead and we anointed them. And there were multiple times where we thought about Detroit. Are they really on the level? No, not yet. Especially after we watched them get waxed in Baltimore and stumble a couple other times this season. But here they are. And Jared Goff is going home. He's a Marin County kid, played his college football at Cal, across the Bay in Berkeley. And now he's got an opportunity to go back to where he's from with his second team, maligned as he's been, and knock the 49ers out of the playoffs on his way to the Super Bowl. It's one of those stories that, like, we don't need any more to hype that game up. We don't need anything to hype up this weekend. These games are so good. They're drenched in storylines. What I find interesting, tell me what you make of this. I'm going to bring a little point spread into this here. Mm. When the Ravens went to San Francisco on Christmas, the Ravens, they were a six and a half point favorite. Lions in San Francisco, or excuse me, I screwed that whole thing up. They were a six and a half point dog, underdog. Okay. Lions are now in San Francisco as a seven point dog. Do we really see the Ravens and Lions half point difference? I don't. I don't either. That's why I find that very intriguing that they're sitting there at seven when the Ravens were sent out there at six and a half. I think it has more to do with the 49ers not playing nearly as well lately. At least that's the perception really since they got blown out by the Ravens. And also that I don't think a lot of people, and I understand why, take the Detroit defense all that seriously. No. Everybody looks at Detroit and they think about what they're doing offensively and how good their offensive line is. The one X factor that could change all of that is Aiden Hutchinson. Like Aiden Hutchinson is so dominant in his second year. He changes the narrative of the Lions defense completely. Now, here's the problem though, Joe. There's not enough there behind him. Like if you have two really good pass rushers, you can mask problems, right? I don't think the Lions are quite there yet with their pass rush where they can mask a lot of their problems with it. Purdy's going to have to win this game. On the 49ers side of the equation, it's going to be Purdy. Much like last week, Mayfield was going to have to win that game because the Lions can defend the run. And the Lions, if you're sitting there this week trying to put a game plan together with everything the Niners can throw at you, what are you saying? Are you saying to yourself, look, we got to be better defending the pass and then have McCaffrey eat you up underneath? Or do you say, look, Christian McCaffrey is not going to beat us in this game. He's going to get his, and he's going to find a way to make plays. We are not going to let that guy be the reason we lose this game. We have the defense that can stop that run. We're going after McCaffrey, and we're going to make Purdy beat us. Do you think that's the game plan there, if you're the Detroit defense? If I'm the Detroit defense, that's absolutely the game plan. That's what you got to figure, right? Like Try to limit that and put Purdy in uncomfortable situations. Make Purdy win this game. But what's my problem with that? I can I can take McCaffrey 
and do so many different things with him that I can find ways to get him in space when it's not the traditional run game. Correct. It, it, all right. No, let's just argue for a second. No Debo Samuel this week. Okay. Okay. Is McCaffrey the, like what, what, what concerns me about the 49ers is McCaffrey. If he's the one guy that you're going to circle, there's still a lot to work with there for Purdy. There like, is. Yeah. I mean, it's Kittle. It's Ayuk, even Jawan Jennings. Like, there's really good players there if you think you're just going to try to find a way to take away McCaffrey. Right. Uh, Andrew Hawkins was on ESPN Bet Live. I want to say Tuesday, but it may have been Monday, but he came in and sat down with us and we asked him about this. Like, if there's no Debo, McCaffrey should have a pretty big game, right? And he goes, you would think. But the thing is, while the usage rate could go up, and I'm paraphrasing here, while his usage rate could go up, there's going to be far more attention on him. Like, if you're Detroit and there's no Debo Samuel, and you know that in three games without Debo this year, the Niners are scoring 19 points per game, and in the games with Debo, they're scoring 30 points per game, your thought has to be, he's out, we're selling out against McCaffrey. You know what? It's Purdy, Kittle, and Ayuk versus the rest of us. I like those chances. That I, I would like those chances because you're not stopping all of them. It's not like yeah. you're going to hold the Niners to nine points in this game. You're going to give up some points. So if there's no Debo, I'm trying to take out McCaffrey, and then from there – let game on, right? Let's see if Jared Goff and the offense can exploit this defense like Jordan Love did in the first half of that matchup last week. Latest from Schefter on Debo in the last little bit here uh, is that he's going to be limited today at practice because of the shoulder injury. Um, it, it's impossible to be able to tell if he's going to be able to go or not, I would think, until Sunday. Um, but at least it's a positive development that it's not he's out of practice altogether and not practicing at all. Yeah, you figured if it was – trending towards not playing, he misses practice today, maybe he's limited in the walkthrough on Saturday, and they take it from there. But if he's limited today, that's a great sign for the Niners. And again, in Vegas, I've seen the total get as high as 52. All right, given the secondaries and what Debo means to that offense, 30 points per game with him, 19 without, if the total's going up, which it is, from 50 and a half to as high as 52, I think that trends towards him playing. We also see some books at minus seven, minus 120, meaning more likely to go to seven and a half than six and a half, mm -hmm. which also is an indicator Debo could be playing. All right, let me ask you this, though, real quick. We got about 30 seconds left. Yeah. We got to get our picks in order for tomorrow for the ESPN Radio Pick'em Challenge. How much more work do you need to do tonight to get your head right around this? Whether I have work to do or not, I don't want to say anything now because I don't want to tip off the morning show or Greeny as to what we're doing. Right? This is there can be some gamesmanship here. The shows behind yeah. us can listen to what we do and either agree intentionally or disagree. It's there's a gamesmanship. Tonight, NBA action, Heat host the Celtics on ESPN Radio, presented by Indeed, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN. Thanks for listening to the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Carlin versus Joe weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app. The Carlin vs. Joe podcast.